Good morning, church. So good to be in the house of the Lord. I really like that prop that Graham had for us. Uh, Graham left his offering message here. I need it. I'll keep it for myself. Thank you, Graham. I, I, I was just blown away by what uh, Graham shared with us in terms of our relationship with God. We are like toddlers. We want it and we want it now. And I pray that we will not be like that. We'll be people who will uh, wait for the right time. Friends, as we start this morning, I want us uh, to take a time to pray. Um, and the reason I want us to pray is... Two, one, two, one, two. The reason why I want us to pray, can you prepare a microphone for David Webb? I'm, I've asked him to pray um, for the nation. Uh, some of you, as you follow the, note, uh, the news, you notice things that are happening in the nation. I mean, on uh, Friday, there was a, a car accident where 27 people passed away and two were children. And then you think something is wrong with this picture. Um, there's other things that are happening to people in the church. Uh, one member of our church lost a father yesterday, and there's something that I'm going to mention later in the service. But the reason I want us to pray, like we prayed, we have a revival prayer at 6.30 every Saturday in the prayer room. We prayed yesterday that God will uplift the spirit of death in our nation. And as we pray, God answers prayer. We want to trust and believe that God will answer prayer. I also bring your attention to the prayer that's happening next week, Saturday, uh, you can get the details from engasbarking.co.za and be, avail yourself to pray for the nation and to pray for change in the nation. With the elections coming up next year, let's just soak our nation in prayer. Amen. David. While the mic is coming, if you are here and you've lost a loved one in the last couple of months, just raise your hand wherever you are. We want to pray with you. We want to be family to you. You've lost a family member. I know some families are here, they've lost family members. We want to pray for the God of comfort to come over you and your family. Keep your hands raised. So church, we're going to be family to them. We're going to go to them and lay hands on them and pray for the God of comfort to, to just Amen. come into that situation. Yes. Yeah. And if you see somebody with a hand raised, please just, just reach your hand toward them or put a hand on their shoulder because, you know, death is a reality of life. And, uh, you know, the, the Bible says that Grief lasts all night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy's coming. It's coming again. Whether the grief that you're remembering now is a day old, a month old, a year old, 10 years old, if you go quickly to a place of grief when you hear about other people's loss, then you know there's a place you're still mourning, and we want to pray for you right now. Jesus, 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 Lord. You know the number of our days. Lord, you know that there is um, there's a time appointed for every man and woman. <laughs> That's why we want to make sure that we're always right with Jesus Christ. But Lord, for those who are in mourning right now, we just speak peace. We speak rest. We say, um, the Lord is with you at all moments in your grief. You're never alone. You're never alone in your grief. The Lord has a plan both for their going and for your staying. So rest in the Lord. Rest in the plans that he has for you. And Father, I ask that every time uh, these dear ones um, come, come to church, every time that they seek you in prayer, that they'll find it easy to find you. They'll find it easy to rest in you. They'll find it easy to give that grief up again 
until the day that more until the day that morning comes and joy returns in Jesus mighty name amen Amen. Thank you for that, uh, that prayer, Brother Webb. Friends, this morning we continue our sermon series called uh, Worship. Uh, two weeks ago, Langa started us off so well, giving us what the definition of worship is. That worship is the external expression of our internal condition and posture. Worship is the external expression of our internal condition and posture. So as we continue today... I was going to be preaching along the lines of uh, how we worship together in corporate worship, but the Lord changed my sermon, and today I want to talk about extravagance in corporate worship. Extravagance in corporate worship. I'm grateful to God that this morning we experienced that kind of extravagance. Amen. And may I tell you, it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. When we pray for revival, we're going to see that happen more and more and more. We're trusting for that. We're trusting that we will have encounters when we gather together to worship our King. Worship is an expression of what happens inside here. Worship is an expression of what's happening inside here. Therefore, I want to start with a statement. Our gratitude towards God is expressed in extravagant worship. Our gratitude to what He has done and what He's going to do is expressed in our extravagant worship. I want to start by sharing just this testimony uh, with you to show you just how extravagant God is to us. And because He's extravagant, our posture, our response is to worship Him with that kind of extravagance. Amen. Uh, some of you may know that uh, my wife left for Las Vegas uh, yesterday, and I'm sure you're already praying for me. <laughs> she went to Las Vegas without me. <laughs> you feel me, bro? <laughs> Serve helped me a lot. She said, we must get her a t-shirt written, whatever happens in Vegas, Jesus knows. <laughs> and this morning, she landed in Doha, flying through a transit. I sent her a WhatsApp just reminding her, what happens in Vegas, Jesus knows. <laughs> but I want to take one step back uh, of how this trip came about, just to show you the God of extravagance that we serve. I'm sure we can share testimony after testimony of how we've seen God come through for us. You know, Lindy um, read this book, Leading and Loving It, with a few ladies here at the church. This book is about women in ministry and women in leadership. And they were really impacted by this book. And Lindy wrote back to the authors just to give them feedback to say, hey, by the way, your book was so great. It really impacted us. We want to just say thank you. And the authors wrote back to Lindy, and they said, thank you for the feedback. We appreciate it. We want you to know that we run these conferences once a year here in Vegas. Would you like to join the conference? Before she consulted with me, she responded back. I'm just adding that on the... She said, I'll be very keen. I'm just showing you that we're not a perfect family. You know, I'd be very keen to come and join the conference. And uh, she was just testing to see what, how the answer would be. And she said, by the way, I'm here in South Africa for David Webb. Uh, if they were on Skype, she would have said Africa, you know, with an American accent. And uh, she goes, uh, yeah, 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 I'm here in South Africa. If you will sponsor me, I'll come. She was putting a fleece. She was just testing to see how they would respond, you know. My wife is on this thing about faith follows obedience. Faith follows obedience. You can't believe, but you don't obey. How can you believe and not obey and act? Because faith without action is dead. So she goes, 
would you sponsor me? And they write back, they say, yes, we'll help you with conference costs. My wife being my wife, she writes back to them and she says, well, I am from South Africa. It's quite far to get there. Will you only sponsor me with transport costs, with, 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 uh, with conference costs? And they write back, they say, well, no, we can help you with accommodation. And then accommodation is covered and meals are covered. And then we had to believe God for uh, just to travel over there. And she writes back again. She says, well, I don't know that place very well. How am I going to go around? They say, you're sorted. We're putting up in your hotel where the speakers stay. And also you're going to have a chauffeur taking you around. I'm like, that's extravagance. That's extravagance. You know, that's just how God will treat his children. I was reading Psalm 37 verse 19. It says, even in hard times, my children will have abundance. Even in hard times, even in technical recession, my children will have abundance. And I believe that scripture because God looks after his own. God provides extravagantly after his own. Let me give you a definition of extravagance. Exceeding what is reasonable appropriate, excessive, and elaborate. Let's not stop there. Extravagance, the synonyms are exorbitant, extortionate, excessive, high, unreasonable, outrageous, undue, uncalled for. I like that one. Extreme, inordinate, unwarranted, unnecessary, needless, disproportionate, too much, prodigal, lavish, I mean, we're just starting. We haven't stopped. For the young adults in the house, I call extravagance sick. <laughs> it's sick. It's sick. And I'm, I'm sure you're thinking, wow, this pasta is lit. <laughs> I hang around Jesse. Let's go to the word. <laughs> Luke chapter 7, verse 36 is our scripture for today. As I have just tried to describe the God that we serve and his extravagance, we get to the story in Scripture that speaks about a woman who was labeled a sinful woman. This woman being labeled a sinful woman, she has an encounter with Jesus, and some profound things happen here that we learn about extravagance. And our, my hope for today is we will understand that our gratitude towards God must flow in expression of extravagance. We read verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in the town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, and so she came with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood there behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on her, on him. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. She is a sinner. Wow. Verse 40, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him. So he gave the debts of both. He forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them would love him more? 
Simon replied. I suppose the one that had a bigger debt forgiven, you have judged correctly. You have judged correctly, said Jesus. Then he returned towards the woman and said to Simon. It's amazing that he turns towards the woman, but he's addressing Simon. He turns towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? Have you noticed this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has perfumed my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Then other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. You can go in peace. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So friends, from the story that we've just read, we hear a story of this woman who has been labeled by society as sinful woman who has been given names by society, by people, that she is sinful. And as we read from this portion of Scripture, we realize that Jesus is uh, visiting a pastor's house. Jesus is reclining at uh, Simon's house. If you think about those days, they would have a table lowered, and they would sit on the floor reclining, and their feet will be facing outwards. And I think to myself, the word reclining is such a powerful word because it speaks about deep fellowship. Reclining. Do you see in the story of Jesus how he would go into people's homes? There is something about us opening each other's houses to fellowship with each other. That's why we have connect groups in each other's homes. Yes, we do have connect groups at our offices, at, at the coffee shops. But when you open each other's homes, there's something about that. In fact, in the African culture, you've never met a person until you've been to their house. Just saying, if you haven't invited me. I'm building a case here. So this woman finds out that uh, Jesus, God himself, is uh, fellowshipping at the Pharisee's house. I'm intrigued by how she thought to himself, I can go and meet with Jesus at the pastor's house. I'm also intrigued by the fact that she didn't think of herself and the sins that she's carrying, like Langa demonstrated to us very well, the baggage of apples that she's carrying very far from God. She didn't think that I cannot go to this man. I believe that she, she had this picture of this is a different kind of man in the way that he treats women and in the way that he treats sinners. I can go to this man. My heart is saddened by the fact that people are questioning themselves if they can go to church. Will the church receive me? Will the church allow me to walk in or do I need to fix myself first before I go to church? What we see in this story, this woman understood the kind of man that Jesus was. It is my prayer that as the children of the kingdom, we can reflect this Jesus to the world today. A Jesus that accepts sinners. A Jesus that will receive a guy who's been labeled by society as a sinful man or woman. She makes this choice of going to Jesus. You know, some people, they put it this way. They say that uh, this woman's extravagant worship to Christ 
It was based on the fact that she thought that she would get forgiveness of her sins when she comes with this kind of worship. I beg to differ because there's this overwhelming force in this passage that tells us that this woman was worshiping because salvation had already found her. People think that she was coming to ask for forgiveness, but I want to tell you today that by the time she made the choice to go to Jesus, that was her first encounter with Jesus. So the first encounter with Jesus is when you make the decision to follow him, he sees that even before you pray the sinner's prayer. Because he sees the heart. It's about the heart. The sinner's prayer is just your commitment and your devotion. It's important. But I'm here to say that a lot of people get saved without our protocols. This woman had an encounter with Jesus long before she arrived. So when she arrived and she had this uncontrollable, extravagant worship, is because of that encounter. Her, her weeping, her tears fell down on Jesus' feet. I was just thinking to myself, man, she must have weeping quite a lot for her to wash Jesus' feet with her tears. I want to just bring your attention to this. Uh, every time we see people acting in a, an unnatural or in an unworthy way, we ask ourselves the question, why? Imagine the tension that, that was in the room when she walked in. Imagine the tension because the people are thinking to themselves, wow, what is she doing here in the first place? Who does she think she is to even come to the presence of Jesus Christ? The behavior of this woman begs the question, why did she weep so much? Why did she kiss Jesus so much? And why did she pour out such expensive perfume? Verse 47 says, because her sins had been forgiven. As her love has shown. These words reveal that the woman was extravagant towards Jesus because Jesus had been extravagant towards her. Jesus had been extravagant towards her. Her extravagant was not because of what she wanted, but it was what Jesus had already done. So let's bring it closer to home. Practically for us, it means that we do not worship God for what he's going to do for us. We worship him for what he's already done. We worship him for what he has done for us on the cross. When we were worshiping this morning and some of the lyrics that we were singing, that's why there's power in song. You sing with a revelation of what he has done. We sing with a gratitude of thank you, Lord, for what you've done, accepting us as sinners. Look at this uh, response that she has towards Jesus. We look at how she responded with gratitude towards Jesus Extravagant service, extravagant surrender, and extravagant sacrifice. If you go to the next slide, you see these three things. Extravagant service, extravagant surrender, and extravagant sacrifice. The extravagant service is based on the fact that in that culture, when you have guests come into your house, you would wipe and you would wash their feet as a form of being welcoming and hospitality because they've been coming from a long journey. The other thing that they will do is to, to kiss the people. Let's just call it a holy kiss for the sake of today. They would have a holy kiss, because I can't demonstrate it, my wife is away. They would have a holy kiss, a holy hug to welcome the person that's coming. And the third thing is extravagant sacrifice. She took a very expensive perfume. I was asking myself, wow, this woman, she didn't show up empty-handed before the Lord. I was asking myself, how much is our worship costing us? 
You know, when we wake up and the weather is not so good on Sunday morning, we think, man, I don't need to go to church. When we wake up and we think, man, I can just play a podcast, I'll be sorted out. We wake up and we think, man, I can just play Jesus Culture and Hillsong and Benjamin Dube. This is church. I've got church, I'm sorted out. But it cost this woman something to go to Jesus. She had to forget about what people will say about her. It cost her something. If worship is worship, it'll cost us something. Worship is worship, it'll cost us something. So extravagant service, she wa- she's weeping and she's wiping Jesus with her hair. Think about the culture of the day. Women were not allowed to let their hair flow. Uh, they had to keep it bound. So she chooses to go for deep devotion. I don't care what people around me say because of the encounter I've had with Jesus. The second thing she does is she kisses Jesus uncontrollably. Clearly, this was a bit scandalous. Imagine a prostitute walks in here and she starts kissing my feet. I'm noticing already there's a bit of tension in the air, like in the atmosphere, like a person who's known already on, t- you know, let me not go there. And they come in and we make them feel welcome. Jesus seems to specialize in turning scandalous issues to the glory of the Father. Imagine this. It's like Jesus was born by a virgin Mary. Sounds very scandalous, but Jesus is teaching us with this story that there are times we judge people in the way that they worship God, but we have no idea where they come from. There are times we look at someone next to us screaming and shouting and praising the Lord, offering extravagant sacrifice to the Lord, and we tend to judge them like Simon judged the woman, but we don't know where they come from. There are times when someone is engaging with Jesus silently and worshiping extravagantly just because their worship is different to yours, it does not mean it's not extravagant. We tend to think that there's only one way to pour out extravagant worship to God. No, it differs from person to person. All we need to do is we need not judge others. So when we come together, extravagance in corporate worship is my prayer, our prayer is that we will forget about those around us like this woman and engage deeply with the Lord and go deep with Him. When you read a similar kind of uh, occurrence in Matthew 26 and uh, Mark chapter 14 and John 12, it speaks about Mary, the sister of Lazarus, after Lazarus had been raised from the dead. And Jesus is coming to visit them again. And Mary also takes up the oil and she pours it on Jesus' head. And the disciples are indignant. They're thinking, you're wasting with this oil. It's amazing that to Mary, that has worship to Jesus. She was welcoming a guest. And I thought to myself, why oil? I'm thinking, man, maybe it was meant to be for back and neck massage. So when I come to visit your house, I'm just saying, you know. Mary is anointing Jesus with oil, and the Bible says she broke the jar. Out of her brokenness, she worshiped Jesus. The same occurrence is repeated. Mary is worshiping Jesus out of her brokenness with this expensive oil before the Lord. How do we approach Jesus, our Savior, when we worship? How do we approach Him? Belinda wrote a powerful article on the power of song. Songs of thanksgiving help us to remember what God has done. They remind us 
to live lives that are lives of thanksgiving. The Bible speaks about the protocol of coming to God in worship through thanksgiving. Isn't it in Psalm 100 verse 4? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. This woman did not care about what people around her in corporate worship thought. Because if we are so focused in keeping everyone around us happy, we're going to lose extravagant worship. If we are so concerned about what other people are thinking or saying, we're going to lose extravagant worship. We're going to lose the sense of gratitude of what Jesus has done for us. I love the words of David when he was out worshiping the Lord. He said, I will become even more undignified than this before my king. When we begin to worship from the heart, the whole house will be filled with the aroma of his presence. In fact, in John 12, when it speaks about Mary's perfume, it says that the whole house was filled with the fragrance of Jesus' perfume, Jesus' presence. Can I just also say that um, there are certain things that we cannot experience in private worship. We need corporate worship. I read a book, Don Whitney says, there's an element of worship in Christianity that cannot be experienced in private worship or by watching worship. There are some graces and blessings that God gives only in the meeting together with other believers. So there are three things that happens in corporate worship. I won't go through the whole list, but the three things that I wanted to mention to you when we come together and worship and pour out our extravagance, the first thing that happens is there's an awakening. I don't know if you notice that when you come in, you've had a rough week, a tough week, you come to a place of worship, the faith of others uplifts your faith. There are times when I come here, my faith is down, but I need your faith to uplift me. There's an awakening when we worship the Lord together. The second thing that happens when we worship together is assurance. You know, someone else's testimony encourages my faith, and I get assured to this God that we worship. You know, the third thing that happens when we worship together, I like this one, is amazing joy that comes up. When we worship the Lord, I mean, there's tears, there's jubilation, there's this awakening, there's this assurance and accentuated joy that comes when we worship the Lord. So our gratitude towards God is expressed in extravagant worship. It is my prayer that we bring him extravagant service, extravagant surrender, an extravagant sacrifice. We're going to end up in worship, but I want to share something with you that happened this week that helps us understand that we worship God even in tough times. You know, on Thursday, we were in a calendar planning meeting for 2019. And while in the meeting, um, Siv gets a call from Marsha, who was at the doctor for a regular checkup, because they'd been a few months pregnant. Siv gets a call, and uh, Masha says, we've lost the baby. Siv comes to me in the meeting and says, we've lost the baby. At that moment, I just had a daze. I was, for a few seconds, what just happened? I said, Siv, you go, we'll continue to pray. And Siv left and stepped out of the meeting, prayed with him over the phone, and at the end of the meeting, gathered the team together, and we could only do what we can do is to look to God, the sovereign God, that even when we don't understand what he's doing, we can worship him. Even when we don't fully grasp what he's doing, we can look to him and just say, God, you are God. 
And that afternoon, we just played worship, and this is what I came to, is our devotion and worship is tested in hard times. Do we worship God only when He does good things for us? That should not be our posture. You know, I'm reminded of two weeks ago when Nicola led us in prayer, the corporate prayer. You know, people came very tired. Some of us had been fasting, and you can see the atmosphere. We're all tired, but Nicholas shared with us this amazing psalm that spoke about how good God is and the bigness of our God. And the more we kept on praying, 20 minutes, 30 minutes into the prayer, the atmosphere shifted because we moved away from what we came in caring to the bigness of the God that we serve. So I'm bringing you to that tension and that moment when we felt the weightiness and the heaviness of this moment. We move to who God is, the bigness of who God is. We may not have all the answers, but one thing's for sure, He's got us. He's got us. If we fix our eyes on Jesus, then extravagance will become the new norm. If we move our eyes from the things of this world, but we fix our eyes on Jesus, extravagance will be our new norm. We will worship Him even in hard times. So I'm going to ask um, Sarah and Pumi to come and lead us in this song that was written out of this text. Praise like oil, I pour it out to you. And we're going to sing this song with this revelation of extravagant worship. Maybe you are here and you've gone through a similar situation recently where you've lost a loved one or you've lost a child or you've been disappointed or on the verge of losing hope best thing you can do is to pour out worship to God. It's the best thing that you can do. It heals the heart. Or maybe you're facing challenges that seem to be insurmountable. If you just can shift the focus, put it on God. When the last 48 hours have been like that, and just processing this with Sylvan Marsh, just to look at God and say, God, we may not understand, but you are God. So may I ask us to stand. You can kneel down bow down you can come to the front and just pour out your worship in a different way today just pour out your worship I want us to just with this internal condition of the heart pour out worship before him this morning
this perfume not to impress the people standing round. I pour this perfume because of your worthiness as I behold you forgiven much. We worship you with much, Lord God. We will love you with extravagance. And so I pray, Father, that right now for anyone here that is remembering what they have lost, Lord God, for what has been taken away, Jesus, we pray your healing upon them, Lord God. I thank you that you are close to the brokenhearted, Jesus. I thank you that it is you that heals us, Lord God. It is your love that carries us through the midst of grief, through trial, through trouble and pain. 
In this world, we may all have trouble, but we can take heart because you have overcome this world. You have overcome this world. So today we stand upon the fact that you have forgiven us of much. We stand upon the fact that you have been good before we have done anything. We stand upon the fact that you loved us before we loved you, Jesus. We stand upon the fact that you have known us from our mother's womb, Lord God, that you have been with us and walked with us. And so we say that we will praise you, Jesus. We will praise you because your love and your goodness is far greater than what we can even conceive or imagine, Lord. Pour upon us, Jesus. We praise you, Lord God. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Just where you are, just begin to declare your praises to Him. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you. We lift our eyes up to you from where our help comes, Lord God. We praise you, Jesus. Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. We praise you because you will not be defeated, Lord God. You have overcome. We praise you because you are the victorious one, Lord. We praise you because as your children, we know that you go before us and you hedge us in. We are safe in your arms that you shelter us, Lord God. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you, Jesus. God, a round of applause, church.